1170 stream is brought to you by Duck Creek Casino, your hometown casino. Tulsa, happy Thursday. It is another episode of the show here on the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app. I'm Colby Daniels, along with Jeremy Poplin and Scott File in the Tulsa Oilers Hockey Studio. We say hello to Colin Kennedy with SoonersIllustrated.com and 24-7 Sports. Colin, what is happening on this Thursday, my man? I, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. I, I got to say to lead this off, you know, I wanted to congratulate our guy, Pop. I saw he got what broadcaster of the year or something big time and and somehow he earns this accolade but while beating the odds obviously given his unfortunate status of being the leader of the the pro brussels sprouts committee so i I don't really know if he's got great for inside yeah like if there's insider trading or some sort of (laughs) politics going on but clearly the brus community willed him to a win and so i gotta say congratulations off the top yeah, I mean, maybe we've been wrong this whole time. Maybe there's this army of Bruss supporters that, <laughs> that ultimately cast their vote for Pop, and, and that got him uh, got him the win, secured the dub. There's, there's more than we thought they were, you know? Like, <laughs> I, there's clearly, we're outnumbered more than we were anticipating. I feel like we're in, like, the movie 300 or something right now. But, hey, it's to Pop's benefit. There you go, there you go. Um, a, a lot of things I want to get into today, and, and we'll definitely jump into some transfer portal stuff and, and everything Oklahoma football is, is doing, but Colin, I feel like I, I need a therapy session. All right. Not only after Sunday, but after the breaking loot news last night that the Dallas Cowboys are in fact going to retain the services of Mike McCarthy and try and run this thing back again, I was, I was very disappointed was very upset on Sunday. That news last night sent me into a whole new stratosphere that I've never been to as a Cowboys fan. Yeah, I um, I've been pretty miserable. Obviously, I'm not alone in this, but I, I, I don't really know exactly what the plan is here. I just, it kind of is crazy to me that a gigantic organization the most valuable sports franchise in the world is just kind of mailing it in and is more than willing to accept the first round playoff exit for what I feel like is going to be a fourth consecutive year coming up. But Hey, look, a lot of people out there make a lot more money than me and get to make these decisions. And I just have to submit to that control. But I, this is kind of where I'm at with all this is I think two things. Number one, I understand the frustration, right? But it was also one of those things where I looked at the whole Mike McCarthy and moving on from him, and I kind of thought, like, okay, if you're going to make that decision, you're going to make that call, what's the next step that makes you feel a lot better about what the next few seasons actually look like? And to me, those options were relatively limited. I don't know. I mean, you could disagree with me here, Colby, but, like, I felt like if you were going to fire Mike, knowing you're probably losing Dan Quinn, obviously, you were going to have to clean house in a manner in which you you truly needed to move the needle in which the needle probably couldn't really actually be moved. And I think the other part of this equation is this kind of signaled to me that someone like Bill Belichick is probably done to the Atlanta Falcons, you know, because Mike, if you fire him, there so many names in my opinion who you would fire him for bill belichick is definitely one 
but who's two? Who's three? I, I, Rabel? I don't know. Yeah, that's, Harbaugh? that's kind of the number – that's the number two name I would have gone to is is Vrabel. But obviously, I think Vrabel is a really darn good football coach. Do you believe he can maximize your ceiling right away, bringing him in? I personally would not buy into Harbaugh as a fit. That's just me. I don't think Harbaugh and the Dallas Cowboys job makes a ton of sense. I also am not really 100% certain on bringing a guy in from the college ranks who's been through a lot, let's put it that way, and would have to sort of rework his staff at the NFL level. And and keep in mind, like, I feel like, again, I kind of have a unique perspective on this as someone who deals with the the behind-the-scenes recruiting stuff. You know, Jim Harbaugh relies a lot on that staff out there at Michigan, like a lot. And I just – I wasn't necessarily certain that he would be able to piece things together right away to – lean on an NFL staff in the same caliber while adjusting to that level again on his own. Uh, Hopefully this makes sense, but I just didn't buy Harbaugh as a name that you would can McCarthy for at this time because, again, McCarthy, although it doesn't really mean anything, has been able to get something out of Dak, has been able to win you games the regular season. I don't know that that's 100% a guarantee under Harbaugh. And then the Pete Carroll thing, like, are you really going to can McCarthy for a guy who's, what, 74 you know, I, I just, I, I just don't know that I would try and throw everything out the window for a guy who legitimately could be out the door in two years, maybe. I yeah, just, but you're trying to capitalize on this open window now, right? I mean, that's the that's the. I mean, McCarthy only has one year left on his deal anyway. But that's the thing is is with the free agent moves in place, right? Is there truly a window? The similar effect that they just saw. Like, I, I think there are going to be roster moves this offseason that definitely reshape just how well they can contend. You're going to have to go into this next world without Dan Quinn regardless, and so you're bringing in a new defensive coordinator who's going to have to replace an insane amount of production with a unit that could have a couple of key losses in the offseason. Obviously, the offensive line is going to face potentially a kind of a, a makeover I hope to see some guys back, but I think one of your biggest storylines going into this offseason, if you're Dallas, no matter who the head coach is, is what what is that offensive line going to look like going into next year? And if it doesn't go well, if you don't make up that front five effectively, then you need someone who can get the most out of Dak Prescott offensively. And I don't know. I just I have a hard time selling myself on all these moving pieces on bringing in a guy who's 74 because there's so many other variables you got to deal with. The last thing you want to do is also kind of be looking over your shoulder, trying to figure out just how much you can get out of this guy in a limited window when your window is probably looking a lot different than it did this season. Again, the Harbaugh thing, I feel I felt like personally Bilicek and, and Vrabes were kind of the guys, and I was even having a hard time selling myself on Vrabel. And so if Belichick is basically going to the Falcons, I'm not saying I agree with this move. But I, I understand some of the stuff that led to this unfortunate decision, if that makes sense. I, I think that the last two coaching regimes in Dallas have lacked something that is very significant and almost something that I think is a requirement of a championship caliber team in the NFL. I can't name you a, an NFL champion that didn't have this on their football team, and it's something Dallas has lacked completely under the last two regimes. Toughness. This Dallas yeah. team has not been tough under Jason Garrett. They've not been tough under Mike McCarthy. 
And look, there are a lot of elements about every coach, right, that you can pick apart and find uh, elements of that you don't like. Bill Belichick brings toughness. Mike Vrabel brings toughness. Jim Harbaugh brings toughness. And then Pete Carroll's an interesting one because he brings toughness, but he also, I think, kind of is the is probably the one that would would fit best in Dallas because he has the 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 fun side, where yeah. where I think he could probably deal with the spotlight as well as any of those guys. But I, I think all of those guys would bring the element that Dallas clearly lacks to get them over the top, which is toughness. And if you don't have that, who cares if you get the most out of Dak Prescott? It's not going to go anywhere. I'm with you 100% in that fact in that, like, there's just not a lot of fire in this team. And Jason Garrett was the joke. I mean, however many years he was there, the signature clapping shots on on television. Like, Dallas has seemingly kind of been summarized as a team that is willing to just mail it in. And when you look at some of these rosters over the years, that just simply should not be the case, especially – like right now, to fold as quickly as you did with guys on paper who should be tough, like a Micah Parsons, some of these offensive linemen. I just, I don't know, man. I, I, again, it's one of those things where I would have been 100% behind a move for somebody else. And again, I, I wanted that to be Bill Belichick, and I personally would be definitely buying into someone like a Mike Vrabel. But I also feel like Dallas has this, I don't know, they're almost sort of safeguarding the franchise to the point where yeah. we're either going to figure out the hard way that Mike McCarthy is definitely not it, or they just want to let this thing play out. Because, again, I, I don't know if Bill Belichick is even really all that available. I mean, I heard today that, like, Arthur Blank flew him out to his yacht for contract negotiations. Tell me another time in the history of sports when the owner flew some coach out to his yacht. Like, typically it's like, hey, come to our facility, go grab yourself a, a piece of chicken in the, in the cafeteria and get the hell out of here. It's like, I don't know, man. I, maybe Dallas was just too limited. Maybe they, did, they were afraid of the moment, the spotlight. I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, again, it's kind of another one of those individual moments that summarizes the frustration that's surrounding this franchise and the fan base and, if, the, if these are some of the things that went into the lack of a move, like I get it, but it doesn't mean that I agree with it. And it's, it's just still at the end of the day, another frustrating reason why Dallas Cowboys football seemingly doesn't have much of a future. Yeah. I mean, winning regular season games is what they're satisfied with. Right. And yeah. like, if that's the goal, then yeah, you have a great, you have a great coach, but um, you know, is there a risk in, in a new coach and could you get worse? Of course you could, but you're also taking a chance that you get better as well. And what we know is this regime, like, are, are, are any of us expecting that they're going to be any better next year or win playoff games or play better football in the postseason next year? I mean, they've actually gotten worse every year in the postseason under McCarthy in, in the way that they've been sent out of the postseason. So, uh, I, yeah, I've just – the frustration is just at a point now where it's like, why, why keep doing the same thing over and over and over? And, again, like – it's also discipline, Colin. It's toughness and discipline. They, they, yeah. They've been one of the most penalized teams in the NFL for, like, my entire existence, right? Since Jimmy Johnson left, essentially. They've been one of the most and penalized this- teams in the NFL. It's because they don't bring in coaches that bring toughness and discipline. And, again, all those guys I mentioned bring that. That is a giant element 
that is missing that maybe brings the focus and all the other little things together for a roster that, while it does have holes, is one of the more talented rosters in the entire league. And it's not just like the penalties, it's the turnovers offensively that you see in the postseason, the busted coverages, not filling your run assignments. I mean, it's, it was truly perplexing. And this is the other frustrating part, too, because, again, my whole thing is I truly feel like Dallas didn't move, make a move because there wasn't a move to be made, because this is the other thing that really frustrates me. Dallas's standing as the number two overall seed was so inflated going into that game. I mean, people forget how many bounces of the ball somehow went oh, their of course. favor. I mean, and, and suddenly, and that's why I think, honestly, everyone's talking about this so frustrated because on paper, the casual fan is probably sitting there saying, how on earth did Dallas, the number two seed, with a roster like the Cowboys have, slip up to this Packers team? They had no business being the number two seed to begin with, if we're being honest, and that's what makes the situation worse. So it's like, yeah, they finished on a high note. They've got the number two overall seed, but did they ever really have any business having that momentum going into the playoffs? They didn't earn the two seed. They got it by default because the Eagles completely crashed and burned. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm trying to say is if you really break this thing down, Mike McCarthy did not lead them to the number two overall seed. Like, period. It, it was literally just somehow multiple teams who they needed to win won those games. The Eagles were bad, and the rest of the league just kind of played out the manner in which the Cowboys needed to. And so it's like it, some people will either say Mike McCarthy helped you get the number two overall seed or he lost his number two overall seed. The number two overall seed stuff has no business being in this discussion to begin with because Mike's status is inflated because of all the other stuff that happened in the NFL. And that's why it's so maddening because, again, like this Cowboys roster really didn't actually hit the ceiling in which you would think right. based right. on the actual – Yeah, and, and, and to have that in the back of your mind as someone who actually watches these games and understands how ridiculous that is, it's, it's, it's so frustrating because they should have made a move. They should have 100% made a move. And for no move to be made, or maybe there wasn't a move to make, the Cowboys are trapped. I mean, legitimately, like you mentioned, they're definitely trapped going into next year thinking, how are we ever going to get better? Because I I couldn't paint you a path with that roster that's going to probably lose key contributors in premium positions. I don't know how they even sniff a number two seed, even with some bounces of the ball again. So, I don't know, like – Maybe it's not too late. I don't. Maybe this is me just kind of submitting to the moment. But if 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 it is definitely going to be Mike McCarthy for next year, then you got to submit to more pain and hope it doesn't actually hurt as bad. Or maybe you take an opt out season, right? I mean, <laughs> just throw the white flag and say we're done. Go ahead. You know what? I'm going to take a year off. off. Yeah, like I I I need <laughs> I need a one year vacation, and we'll reevaluate. Send, uh, send, Send Mike back to the barn or whatever, wherever that That's was. That's right. Remember that back in the Let day? him watch every game Mike. of the 2019, was it the 2019 season that he said he watched every snap of? His barn. And um, yeah. that was the saving grace. That was the guy Jerry said. Yuck. Let me pull that dude out of the red door and throw him in front of the Dallas Cowboys audience. That'll, that'll go well. Yuck. Colin Kennedy is our guest with SoonersIllustrated.com and 24-7 Sports. Uh, switching gears, enough of, of me whining and crying. Um, 
Oklahoma obviously is a uh, a team that that is going to have some holes. Uh, you know that there there are areas of of need going into the SEC next year. And you have all these 30-day windows that have opened up with the coaching carousel once again spinning into high gear. Um, what What is your perspective in terms of Oklahoma maybe being able to capitalize with any of the unfortunate situations at, at either Washington or Alabama or Arizona or, you know, the, the other places that, that maybe have freed up some players? Yeah, I, I, I'm going to be honest. I don't really foresee much there at all. And I think we talk a lot about how more than ever college programs are intertwined. These are a lot of symbiotic relationships that you're dealing with in the sport because of the elements in college football today. But I look at these specific jobs and and these players, and, and I was talking about this earlier today with somebody, you know, at the end of it all, it does still boil down to some level of familiarity. And it doesn't even have to necessarily be a relationship. But it's got to be a fit. It's got to be some sort of standout accomplishment. And I think if you're Oklahoma, how many actual ties or advantages play in your favor when we're discussing these individuals moving from a Washington team that just appeared in the national championship game or an Alabama team that just reached the playoff or an Arizona team that just beat you, right? Like all three of these, these teams, they have players who reached a higher ceiling and probably want to go elsewhere right now. And sometimes that's the hard nature of the portal. You know, a lot of these UW guys are probably going to want to play at a place like Alabama. They're going to want to reunite with their coaches. And if they don't, they probably want to go somewhere close to home. Just going to be honest. UW and Oklahoma hardly ever battle each other for recruits. I couldn't tell you the last time I ever even wrote Washington into a OU-based recruiting article. And then you've got Alabama, who I think they did a really nice job, as dastardly as this is, of convincing those players, hey, give us that 72-hour window. While they, those players think, hey – this is only three days for them to get us a new coach that we can get to know. In reality, you know, part of that had a lot to do with the fact that those Bama players were basically enrolling in classes. And it's a lot harder to move when you've enrolled at a school. It's not impossible, but you can definitely kind of get locked into a difficult situation if you play into that timeline. And then there's Arizona. And, and Arizona is a school that clearly – plays up the loyalty card and I kind of like that you know obviously the rumor going around right now is that Noah Fafita and Tedaroa McMillan who are two of the few players that absolutely torched Oklahoma in that Alamo Bowl seems like both of those guys are going to stay and they were kind of a package deal to begin with they played at the same high school together they went to Arizona together even though Tedaroa and McMillan specifically had offers from all over the country as a borderline five-star wide receiver. So it's kind of one of those difficult situations in which you're seeing all this movement and to the, the everyday, not necessarily all that dialed in football fan, you're thinking, oh, well, why can't we poach these players from Bama or Washington? It's just because it's not how that works. So this is kind of the tricky part of this. And it, it to tie it back to Oklahoma, 
think kind of the, the difficult realization that I think people need to have is that these 12 players who are committed to transferring to OU is kind of your initial class. Um, Lance Hurd, the LSU offensive tackle, it had been trending to Tennessee behind the scenes for a little while. Publicly today, it's basically said that that deal is going to get finalized. He's going to go to play at Tennessee as an offensive tackle for the Vols. And so th- I, this is kind of the, the hard part in communicating to fans is like, just because stuff is happening doesn't mean you're involved in it. And I think that Oklahoma landed 12 guys that supplement the roster very well. There's a standout or two in there who I think are going to be really good football players in Norman. But it doesn't mean that more's on the way. And so I, I think that the you mentioned the multiple windows. Yes, these windows kick into effect because of the 30-day frame that players get after a head coaching change. But I think for Oklahoma specifically, the next window you really need to be dialed into is that window after spring because that, to me, is when you're really going to have an opportunity to start bringing in more faces and build out this roster even more ahead of the SEC. So what you're telling me is it is officially softball season. Basically, <laughs> yeah. I I know you basketball. I, I've been able to watch a ton of other sports going on, been on the road for recruiting, recruiting coverage at, at camps, but – basketball they're playing looks like they're getting into the big 12 slate softball stuff's coming up i would guide the eyes towards that stuff that's going on and maybe some recruiting development as we get into junior days this month rather than all this stuff that's going on with family uw in arizona no doubt colin always appreciate it my friend thanks for the therapy session and uh, we'll catch up again next week all right, fellas. <laughs> that is Colin Kennedy with SoonersIllustrated.com and 24-7 Sports joining us via the Blitz Hotline. I'm Colby Daniels along with Jeremy Poplin. We will take a timeout. Aaron Davis on the other side of the break. You're listening to the Blitz 1170, and we are streaming on the Blitz 1170 app.